Hello and welcome to Queer Media Pills, the podcast that brings queer media and culture to your ears, one short pill at a time. My name is Mars, my pronouns are he, him, and I'm your host. Over Christmas, I watched the, a horror called Krampus, it's spelled K-R-A-M-P-U-S. And it's a Christmas horror, which I love, I love anything, it's like, you know, the ones that are Christmas movies, but no one's happy that they are. Like, I don't know, um, Rent is one of them, um, Eyes Wide Shot by Stanley Kubrick is another. I guess Die Hard, although I've never seen Die Hard, but I've seen a lot of people make this argument for that as well. But yeah, no, this is not what we're talking about today, and we're not talking about films that are or aren't Christmas films, uh, depending by who you ask to know. Um, yeah, but we are talking in a way about Krampus. Um, this film is available on Netflix. It is not a queer film. It's alright, like I would recommend it to you if you're still somewhat in the spirit of Christmas, if you want to keep the season going, which I don't blame you for, I do love Christmas, it might or might not be mostly because it's my birthday, um, my birthday is the 24th of December, so you know, it's a season all dedicated to me. But yeah, the film is alright, it's like a nice middle of the street horror movie, and then it's got like this Christmassy gimmick, which is very nice, but it's not what I want to talk about. I'm gonna use a scene, or specifically one line in this film, to talk about a broader topic, which is uh, um, casual transphobia in films, and the importance of sensitivity readers, or in general diversity in a writing room. And this applies to most non-queer films, and by that I mean most films that aren't written, made, produced by queer people, because when no queer person is called in at the creative stage to help out, and I'm not saying only queer people should be allowed to make art, obviously, what I'm saying is that whenever we're writing something, we should always be aware of the possible interpretation, the possible audiences we're writing for, and the way homo by transphobia ends up being a very casual, very common butt of the joke in films that otherwise don't even acknowledge queer existence really rubs me off the wrong way because it really shows that in the mind of the creators there aren't any queer people amongst the spectators of this product. This is immediately a red flag that tells me this isn't for you. This is made with not only without you in mind, but with the assumption that you're not gonna watch it. And I'm gonna talk specifically about what in this film made me think that, which is at the very beginning, the teenage daughter, who she's, um, she's like the very cliche horror movie teenage daughter, she hates her family, she has to spend the holidays with them and she's so pissed off about it because all she wants to do is spend time with her boyfriend and she hates the family, she's complaining all the time and she's especially complaining in this one scene at the very beginning about having to share the room with her cousins who are these girls and they're characterized as being very masculine, or rather masculine presenting, they have masculine hobbies, I think they're into sports, and what this girl says to define the reason why she doesn't want to share a room with them is, and I'm quoting, they be standing. At this point I had to fully pause and take a moment for myself, because I was like, 
I was really struggling to process what she meant by that. I was like, my first thought was generally, oh, do they stand on the bed and pee? Is that something they've done in the past? Because that would be a genuine reason one may not want to share a bed with someone if they just piss on the bed on purpose. But no, then I took a moment, uh, took myself out of the situation and realized this girl was simply using they be standing as an expression to mean they're basically boys. And that's where the problem is. Because, first of all, uh, I think it's important to specify these are cis girls. These are cisgender girls, they're not explicitly queer in any way, they are most definitely not trans girls, because there is no way a film like this wouldn't have at least made a bigger point out of it at any point, this is the only element. So it gets tricky here, because what did the writer have in mind when writing this? I generally don't think the writer had in mind making a transphobic joke. I'm not saying it's not transphobic, it is. And of course the transphobia in this lies in the fact that this girl is associating a behavior that she links to male biology to these girls, so like the, the just a position between all oh, they be standing but their girls isn't that gross. I don't think that's the outright intention, like what I think this is meant to be is just like oh they're so rowdy and masculine, they might even pee standing because they're just such, I don't know, I don't know. Um, but the fact that I generally think trans people weren't even in the mind of the writer when writing this. It only makes it worse. In the writer's brain, a thing only boys do is pretending, hence the joke. The mere existence of trans people didn't even cross their mind, and even less the possibility of a trans watcher, a transgender person who is in the audience. Because the second that joke happened, then it took me so long to get back into the room, to care the slightest about these characters. I actually didn't care at all. I was like, oh, you're all gonna die because you didn't believe in Christmas? Good, you're transphobic anyways, you know? And like, of course, I'm also being very optimistic here because I'm assuming best intention from the writer, which is a mistake I sometimes make. And then I'm like, oh, no, 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 you, you actually were just fully transphobic, cool. But I don't think that's what's happening. If I'm wrong, if the author of this film is like a writer-director has historically been transphobic, let me know. Good to know, I guess. But the problem here is the cis straight people systematically forget us. Like, it just doesn't occur to them. Which brings me to my second point, which is why sensitivity readers and diversity in a writing room is so important. What is a sensitivity reader? A sensitivity reader is essentially a professional, usually an editor, that works with a writer to keep an eye out in terms of literally the sensitivity issues dealt with in a script. So for example, if I wanted to write a script that featured a character in a wheelchair, I would of course do my own research and do my best to portray the experience truthfully, but then what I would then do is send my script to a sensitivity reader that's usually a person within that community, so a person who has extensive first-hand knowledge of it, whose job it is to signal to the author accidental problematic stereotypes, elements and turns of words that one may not be aware of, because no matter how much an author who isn't part of the community can research and educate themselves, 
it's never it's never gonna be the same thing. So yeah, the figure of a sensitivity reader is very important, literally to avoid this kind of situation. And of course, that also comes with diversity in the writing room. You need more people from diverse backgrounds to read and comment on your work because that's only gonna improve your writing and it's gonna avoid these kind of situations where you're writing something that is so obviously misguided and completely avoidable. Like, generally, that wasn't a funny joke. That was just completely unnecessary. They could have taken it out, still been mildly queerphobic, as in, like, they would have still been like, oh, this girl is butchy and masculine and that's why I don't want to share my room with her. But that would still have been in character for the teenage girl, but not outright queerphobic, you know? So that would have been different, I think, or maybe not, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it would just been, but I'm not a sensitivity reader, I'm just a queer opinionated person, which is like, I guess one step below that. And honestly, once I started paying attention at this, once I started realizing how many little lines in movies, how many throwaway jokes are done at the expenses of minorities, where the same situation, the same joke could have been resolved without making a comment about a minority, which immediately alienates a part of your audience. I just couldn't stop looking at media like that. So yeah, this was me very much overanalyzing one individual line from one movie. And I apologize for making it so long, but I hope it made you think more about the way you engage with media and the jokes you make and who who are they targeting? Who are you assuming is or isn't in your audience when you make those jokes. Yeah, um, once I started realizing writers just do not think of minorities in their audience, honestly, the absence of sensitivity readers and, like, diversity in some writing rooms became so evident in the media consumed. Um, yeah, so this was uh, Mars essentially ranting about the need for more diversity in writing rooms. I hope you enjoyed. Come back next week for a new queer media pill, and bye bye